All right. Hi everybody, my name is Chuby. And I'm Vanessa, and welcome to No Filters, No, no, Fears, no Fears Podcast. Podcast. So today's elephant is a level five. Yes, it's it's up it's, there. It's a heavy topic to talk about. Hello, Sharon. Thank you for joining us. It is Hi. it's a it's a topic that we need to talk about it. It's not even of a definition this time. It's going to be an explanation. It's going to be a little bit of a history. So here we go. So May 5th is Missing and Murder Indigenous Woman Awareness Day. So the acronym MMIW started by Indigenous journalist Shayla uh, North Wilson in 2012. The MMI dash Texas movement started by two sisters, Jody Boys Yellowfish and Snowy Boys in 2018. The Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women is a recent movement to bring recognition to the disappearance uh, and murders of Native women and girls. Many in the movement also include two spirits and trans person under the term. So from that stem, the red hand print, which is a symbol used to indicate solidarity with missing and murdered indigenous women and girls in North America and Canada. So this is why we're wearing red because Wednesday it's, you know, the, the awareness a, day. Oh, awareness day, yeah. And this is why you see the handprint in the back. I, we thought, I brought it to Vanessa because I thought it was a very, important subject to talk about it's as much needed and it happens every day it happens all the time the the number of women who have gone missing and like the statistic that was that i found specifically was five thousand plus women but this was a statistic from 2016 right the most the the most information like that kept popping up in my face was a 2016 uh statistic and that's five years ago. The numbers have significantly gone up. Significantly. Um, it's very sad. It's very upsetting. And what makes it worse is that the real help, and, and, and we you'll see this in, in the interview, and I, it's what I had gathered, but I didn't understand the severity of it until I heard Jody say it. The severity of the matter is that it's not really the institutions that you would expect, right? That are expected to be running these investigations. It's the grassroots, these organizations uh, um, like MMIW and its different coalitions and chapters that are doing the, the heavy work, the heavy lifting, and that are putting the care, right, to, to these cases and to the families that may or may never see these young women again. Um, so I think, and, and he, and I want to preempt, like, we always do the preempt thing, I feel, but it's important. Yeah. A lot of the topics that we discuss may just be to where, make, raise awareness, maybe to, um, get you to look at new information, different perspectives. But the reality is that I, I think it's always important to remind ourselves that we make it so easy to separate ourselves from certain movements from certain situations, right? Like we discussed that one poem by the guy was like, they came for the Jews, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. The same thing, we we are so great at separating ourselves 
from situations you can't separate yourself from something like this because no you may not be a person of color no you may not be indigenous but we are all someone's child we are all someone's um you know if it, it, in, in some way or another we, we have a relationship to people we're someone's friend right and so many of us are women or female identifying and so there are so many ways to connect to what this movement is and means and the importance of why something must be done so please approach it with open minds and hearts yeah when i first heard about the movement um was about two i two years ago or three can recall now and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, yes, because all of our lands got stolen, you know, and now our, now our sisters are being stolen. You know, the women are being murdered, the girls, the two spirits, you know, um, anybody under the term, everybody is, it's, it, you know, and nothing's being done about it because as you were here when Joey said, like, the jurisdiction when it falls under, like neither state can take it or you know they can't do much about it and i think that's the problem with with why um collecting all this data and actually having you know a name to a face is hard yeah. you know and personally i just feel like it obviously sucks you know knowing that your sister could be lost murdered somewhere and no one's doing anything about it to find her you know she doesn't have a, a name she's a you know a jane doe right now you know somewhere but wednesday being the awareness day i thought why not bring awareness today and actually you know let everybody know what's going on it is okay to live in your own bubble it's very upsetting and mind you most of us don't even know we're indigenous, you know, like, or, I mean, if you're from the Caribbean, as you much, as many of you know, um, it's just, uh, and honestly, it's just like Jody said, if you're just part, like once you're into the system, that's it. You know, just one of the many numbers and you're not considered indigenous and you're not somebody, you know, you're just a statistic now. And yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's really 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 upsetting to to hear about this. So we reached out to the chair of MMIW uh, from Texas. Her name is Jody Yellowfish, and the interview was very uh, obviously we knew what was going to happen. It was, um, but it was very eye opening, and I can't wait to share the interview with you guys. You know, thank you for those who are trickling in. Hello, Peter. Um, if you remember, it's a level five elephant. And if you guys decide to say throughout the whole thing, thank you. You know, um, we appreciate it. I know it's hard. I know it's nobody. I know that nobody right now wants to hear about murdering and missing indigenous women and girls. I get that. You know, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world right now for you to sit here and, and listen to this, you know, but you know, it's no filters, no fears. We we bring awareness to everything, and it is necessary. You okay over there, Vanessa? What are your thoughts? What are you? I agree. There's a there's a lot going on in the world, but I feel like 
no one expects you to and you the collective you right yeah, no one expects yeah. you to lend yourself to every single cause out there but just to give it its time hold space for it we've talked about holding space before to hold space for these things that are happening because it's like it's difficult to hear the human trafficking episode that we did was difficult to hear it was difficult to research uh, difficult to hear the statistics difficult to know that it's happening in your backyard and that the numbers are greater in certain states in your own home than they are in underdeveloped countries that you consider things like that to be happening but the fact is that the people that are going through that and suffering and waiting for something to be done about it hope every day that it is being discussed because they want to be found, they want to be helped, they want to not suffer anymore. So even if it's this this time, the hour of no filters, no fears, where you have this, this brush with this information, let it affect you in a way that even if it's in a, a simple conversation, maybe you can provide something that is a catalyst for someone else who can do something about it. So that's all we ever hope to do. And we appreciate like like your your time. And like like Chubi was saying, it's like if you can hang on through through the entire episode, even though it's difficult, then then we appreciate it because at least we know like the work that we're trying to do is also these things we hear about it, it affects us, it makes us cry, it makes us create, it makes us angry um so if we incite any of those things and we can all hold space together and bring awareness to things like this that are so impactful then we're grateful and we feel like we're doing what no filters no fears was Definitely. born to do yeah so without further ado we are going to share the interview that we had with jody um, I hope that you guys, uh, it's 35 minutes long, so I hope you guys <laughs> enjoy it as much as we did. And yeah, so. And at I'm the end, we'll pop back in for final thoughts uh, and any questions that you may have. And be, throughout the video, you're able to uh, put comments or yes. questions or thoughts in the in the chat box, we'll respond to what we can, um, and then we'll get back to it at the end of the interview. Okay, so. Listen with open minds and open hearts. So, also, at the end of this, we have a very special read of something. I'm totally putting you out there, Truby. We have a special <laughs> read of something, so stick out to the end because uh, this was kind of like where, we actually started talking about this before we had our first episode of No Filters, No Fears. Didn't you reach out? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. This happened in the and, of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Before, Before we had our first episode, we were just talking and in the process of uh, figuring out what the episodes were going to be, what we wanted everything to look like. And uh, Chuby called me very upset, like distraught, uh, and explained to me what MMIW was, what was happening, and what it meant. I sadly had never heard that these things were happening oh, this is why reading is essential i read everything and all and i dig down and and i don't know i just find myself in a black hole of something and know? like i had heard what she was what they were talking about that day but i had not understood the gravity of it right so i though you take it as like a one case situation and they were like no 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 mm -hmm. and explain to me the severity of it and then it come came back again when we were preparing for season four that 
it happened to coincide with um, MMIW awareness and which is on May 5th. So it is the perfect time. Hello, Hi, Dulange. Hi, Dulange. Yeah, so here's the interview. Um, we're gonna step up for a few, for yeah, for a few. So have uh, open hearts and open minds. And and again, if you have any questions, any comments, the box will be right there. You can message away. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is uh, Jody, a voice yellowfish. How are you? Hello. Thank you for joining Hello. us. It is Thank such a pleasure to have you. Yes. Yes, indeed. I heard a lot about you and and I never thought of reaching out to you until the last minute and I was talking to Vanessa and I was like, can I see if I could talk to this amazing person? So here you are and thank you for, you know, accepting this invite and actually coming on. So, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And, and I know like, I'm always last minute. <laughs> I'm always last minute with things. I'm just, you know, doing doing this work is busy and having a family. You gotta gotta check on <laughs> all kinds of things all the time. Oh yeah. No, it's yeah. I heard that you have a lot of like organizations that you have. Like, can you name a few, like that you participate in or a part of? Yeah. So, um, for the longest time, I have been an ambassador with American Indian Heritage Day in Texas. Um, and I've been with that organization since like inception, which is like, I think going on eight years now. Um, and that's kind of how that, well, that is how, um, the work I do with MMIW, um, issues started. Um, I did a lot of, um, with that, with that organization, I did a lot, a, a lot of kind of social, social issues. Uh, kind of outreach and education, and um, my sister and I, we um, just felt it really necessary to do more surrounding Indigenous women's issues, and so we started um, educating on like the Violence Against Women's Act. Um, my sister, she works, uh, or we used to work um, for quite a while with um, domestic violence issues and worked at a women's shelter. And so she was an excellent resource for um, getting resources out to our community. And that's kind of how it started. We did that and our community just wanted more, um, you know, just even talking about resources, you know, you kind of become the resource. Um, so that's definitely what happened. And we um, ended up getting a lot of want to understand how people can be involved with MMIW. And we ended up having a program with that organization. And, you know, we hit the ground running and that kind of, that led to us needing to be our own organization um, outside of anything and be our own entity. And that's where we're at today. Um, and having uh, MMIW Texas rematriate. And, you know, we just launched that, that you know, organization as as its own as its own thing like a week ago <laughs> or not even it's been it's, it's been really new but we've been doing the work like nonstop. um wow. uh, i also i organize with our city our future with different things like defunding like defund police city budget um i work i also organize with um dallas truth racial healing transformation um that deals with a lot of um racial equity issues and racial healing and 
um yeah so that's like yeah that's that's my, yeah those are like my kind of core kind of part work my passion my passion stuff right there you mentioned um defund the police and one of the questions that we have is like do you think that the work you've done actually you know drawn attention of the police and the law enforcement to actually do anything about what's been going on with the missing uh you know it's i don't know so much if it draws attention to how what they can do more but it definitely has um especially over this past year because you know, a lot of a lot of the the grassroots organizations that do MMIW work, um, you know, and and you know, it starts with MMIW, you know, as in with women and um, femme identifying people and two spirit people and whatnot. But um, it's all it's all people, all relatives, and um, you know, and that just kind of ups the amount the amount of people, the amount of cases, the amount of work that's needed, and it's always been all of these, you know, boots on the ground, grassroots people and communities and families that are doing this work. And I feel like within this past year, especially, you know, like during like quarantine and being inside, you know, people kind of feel like, oh, things must have gotten better, but there's actually been an uptick in, in cases and human trafficking. And, um, you know, like with people not being in person, you know, there's a need for more virtual content and things like that. So, um, so there has been a, an uptick in cases, and um, I think with that uptick, I think law enforcement all over the country has seen how well these grassroots organizations organize to get this work done. Right. Um, right. And you know, we and it, you know, it's literally been in the past few weeks um, working with different, you know, with the coalition of of different MMIW leaders on on a specific case, um, we saw, we, we, we literally saw that this one, this one law enforcement, this police department in, in this state was not actually contacting the one in the other state that we were working with. And they were going through us, you know, like asking, wow. you know, asking one point of contact, like, so did they say this, did, did, was this email, you know, those kind of questions. And, um, you know, we were like, wow, you know, we, you know, we always say, you know, we stand and we fill in the gaps. We stand in the gaps between the families and media and the families and law enforcement and help them and guide them in that way. But it's like we're seeing, you know, we're standing in the gaps, even doing their work. Um, so it, it's it, it, it's really hard to say if it's bringing the attention or if, you know, we're literally doing the work in most of the cases. Right. right. And this is kind of uh, an, adent like a, an addition to that question, just because as I'm hearing it's bringing this forward of, have you also, I'm sure, seen an influx in people just finding out for the first time? Because I, I, I have to say that I didn't understand the severity of it until Chuby told me about it in depth and how much it meant it meant to them and, and, and sharing um, about it. And then that led to more more research. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing that in providing those resources and in people seeing that that organizations and department police departments are reaching out to your organization as a sort of source for information and filling in those gaps are more interest in wanting to provide support? Yeah, so it's it's 
it, you have to kind of look at like how the, the timeline of this kind of movement work actually started. Like it hasn't been around that long that it's like had a name, you right. know? And so, um, you know, like even within, you know, with our community here, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're urban natives, you know, we're um, in Dallas, you know, and there are a lot of tribes represented. Um, we have elders that have, have literally told us like, um, this has always happened. We just didn't have a name. Okay. Um, so it's like, we've had these stories and we never, you know, we never, this, these stories and the trauma that goes along with that, but we never had the name, you know? And it's like, I knew growing up that, that this happens, you know, like, you know, we just happened to see a lot more of this happen. And, you know, and it's like, once it, it got this name and it was I, easily identifiable, and identifiable even within our own community, um, the awareness just kind of or very organically just took off. Um, and that's, I mean, I would say within the past like five to six years, something like that. And then, you know, once, um, cause you know, that name and that, that movement crisis work started in Canada and just trickled on, on down. And then we have, you know, we have things like, you know, May 5th for a day of awareness and things like that. And, you know, that's fairly new in that. I think that one, went through in like 2017, um, you know, and that that's in memory of um, Hannah Harris. And so it's like the awareness was there, the awareness was going. And then it's like we kind of plateaued with the awareness. And now it's like now we're able to talk beyond the awareness and talk about, you know, like, you know, the really the really grimy work of helping families, you know, be on the ground and do different things like that. Um, so I think now um with the the awareness work like working pretty well you know even within non-native communities i feel like now um we're able to ask for more you know we're able to ask more of our allies like not only do we want you to know but now we want you to use your privilege now we want you to use your status your you know oh you're a professor or you're you're on city council or you're you know help us navigate these things you know easier um you know, and it always helps with, you know, when you get that awareness, different organizations, um, you know, they see where they can link in. Um, and I think that's the key now where we're at is that, you know, we don't have to depend on things like Operation Lady Justice, you know, the, the national, you know, dealing with the government, things like that, like, because that hasn't come to our aid, really. Right. You know, we're still doing this very grassroots on the ground type type work and yeah i think that's where we're at with that i have a question like what do you think like i i know that the database you know to finding information on on the missing women and girls are very low but like why do you think the reason that that the law enforcement or whoever can help don't actually go out and look for these missing women and girls like um a lot of that you know so you know there's even with any kind of any kind of um government agency work law enforcement work anything we're always you know majority of the time misidentified um you know on paperwork things like that and once it gets gets in entered anywhere once it's like it's you're not american indian anymore you know you're not native you're not identified as such um and that's, that's gone on forever for generations of people. And, you know, and this violence has gone on for generations and generations, you know, you know, people, you know, talk about 
um, Sacagawea and Pocahontas being our first MMIW. That's how long this, you know, colonial gender-based violence has been happening. And that's just how long it's been mis misconstrued and misunderstood and, and not talked about in the right way. Um, so it's on top of that, we are looking at how communities, they haven't been taught how to manage these kind of things. Um, but um, as per like, law enforcement and things like that going, you know, working to solve cases, um, you have to understand that um, if it's on tribal land, you're dealing with uh, jurisdictions that many or if if not, everyone doesn't deal with, you know, um, you know, if you're you're in a city, you're not dealing with jurisdiction who's going to do this. If you're on tribal land, like a reservation, you have to figure out, can uh, tribal PD take care of this? Does is it county? Is it FBI? Do we have to call in? And these things are known. Um, you know, people, I mean, it's it's not it's no, it's not by accident that these things happen. You know, if people know that something happens, a tribe will not be able to prosecute a non-native person that that can do these horrible crimes like on their land. You know, they something can happen and you can head back to the city and be gone before anybody knows who's gonna be in charge of that case. So you know, when you're looking and searching for a person, it usually ends up being, you know, the family and these these smaller MMIW groups that do the do the hard work of figuring out how to how to locate somebody. Yeah, we saw the numbers and they're astronomical, and it's like, and they're still missing, and that that's where it hits, you know, and it's. Yeah. I, I promise I was not going to cry. <laughs> It, it, it's hard. It is hard. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, it's heavy and you have to, you know, it's not just about, you know, wearing red and doing, you know, vigils and things like that. We have to, like, really find the right balance for ourselves to continue to do the work. Um, it's a struggle. <laughs> How do and you keep? Oh, you want to? No, 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 no. You're probably going to ask exactly the same thing I am. <laughs> I was going to ask, how do you keep? I don't even know, like your hopes, like how do you keep going, basically? It was along those lines, especially because I'm sure you're a direct contact to a lot of the families and how difficult it has to be emotionally. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, like with our group specifically, um, we don't have a lot of cases like we work with directly, but we have like myself and the the vice chair for our group, you know, we, we work in coalition with different um with a lot of MMIW leaders in Oklahoma and, you know, we have connections with um, neighboring states, you know, like New Mexico, Arizona, that way we, we try to keep those connections because Texas is such a big state. Um, man, we can have people come through every which way from so many different, different areas and states. And so even if we're not working directly on a case, like in our area, um, we're hearing the details and seeing the details of, of cases all all around basically. And um, when I first started really doing this work and really um, committing myself to the work and it was really hard because, because I, I I really was like, I mean, you you know, we're connected to our phones all the time and you, you gotta think like folks working cases that it's even more, I mean, they're constantly, you know? So it's like, I mean, I could wake up from in the middle of the night and, and check my phone and there's 20 unread messages about a case. And you're just like, you know, it, it sticks with you, you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I tell my family just 
last week when somebody was found like I was dreaming about this girl like <laughs> so you know this the news was so so great to hear that she had been found like and I, I was literally telling my mom and my sisters I was dreaming about her and just hoping something would change because we had been working really hard on that case um but I think it's a matter of um kind of prioritizing your not just your feelings but um how heavy you kind of feel um it's kind of like you 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 kind of know you know you, your instincts tell you when to kind of take a break and um you know it's hard as as a lot of women are the leaders of the, of this work um you know it's hard for for you know women and women ident identifying folks like you know we push ourselves and we take it all on and we carry all the burdens and all the work and it, it's very hard but um i can kind of see a shift in in how everybody um accepts that and you know the support is there you know and and i i just happen i happen to be somebody that organizes with a, a, an amazing group of people in in my city too and um i always have people to check in and you know remind me you know we have to remind each other no, did you eat? Did you drink? Did you sleep? <laughs> like just simple things. So, um, yeah. And I think that balance and balancing, prioritizing your family and those relationships as well is, is, is vital to being able to sustain the work. Yeah. That's why when you were telling me that, you know, you couldn't do it at a certain time because of your, your son, I'm like, I completely understand. <laughs> there needs to be an off moment. Yeah. 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 I think that's something that, that's something that I, I've really tried to embrace in the past year, especially seeing how important his schedule is, or all of my kids, like seeing how important their schedule is once we were in quarantine all together. You know, you see it, you see the importance. And, you know, I try my hardest to to be home to put the littlest one to bed because that's that's the routine. And that's, right. that's you know, that's my cutoff. That's, that's my time. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we understood. Um, did you ever think that you see yourself as, I'm assuming you consider yourself an activist, as an activist now? Like, did you ever think they would get this this way, this far? I mean, um, yeah, that, that was always something I kind of struggled with is calling myself that. Um, I've been pretty active since, you know, I was really young, you know, teenager to, you know, young adult. And um, when I when I went to college, of course, you know, you just you get. Um, even more exposed to different things and um you know so that that kind of happened with me and i had the opportunity to to travel um and learn you know national international you know like organizing and because of that you know i was able to when i when i did return home and finally move back home i was able to um really organize for my people and i it was then like i really had to had to decide if to call myself <laughs> an activist or an advocate and whatnot. And, um, but I kind of think just as, as people of color, you know, like it's, it's an inherent thing, you know, it's like, we may not have words for an advocate and an activist, but it's a very inherent thing in the work we do and the way we live our lives. And, you know, we have this very innate sense to, to fight for what's right and fight for what's ours and do the right thing. And I think, I think basically like if any 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 person of color is an activist in some in yeah. some way, shape or form. I totally understand in high school I was like, no, I need to step away from that. But 
Yeah. I, it was just like pulling me in. I thought it was wrong. So, you know, I kept fighting for what I thought was right. And here we I am. see the so, differences. You can feel the differences and you mm -hmm. know the difference of wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, here we are still working on that, still doing it. So, yeah, I completely understand. It, it does call you. It does. It, it is. It's in, in you. It's, yeah. it's going to be. Yeah, there, I think there's something that goes along with that. Um, with being able to tell your, your your stories and your truths and um that is what your activism turns into being is your truths and your expertise and and how you navigate in the world absolutely what what kind of and maybe it was at the beginning what kind of pushback have you seen in this kind of work that you've kind of learn to either bypass or work with um well i think with um just being a woman in general you you, you have to deal with you know fragile and toxic ma masculinity all the time um and and knowing that you may not you know you you may not get may not be given the same time or the same um openness to a project or whatever um whatever thing needs to be worked on or passed or whatever you know you just you have to work a little bit harder but specifically with um like mmiw early on um when i was still just kind of more in the awareness raising realm of of the work um attending different rallies and traveling to speak things like that i was always seen afterwards um people would say, oh, well, did you hear about this or this happened after? And it was always um, non-Native people talking about the work was racist um, and that it was like the attacks on, on um, our white counterparts. And, you know, it took me a second to kind of like, I didn't understand it at all. And it was that people were equating law enforcement to being white. So our problems with law enforcement or different police departments or anything like that, any kind of law basically, um, you know, when we're, you know, working, organizing for different um, bills to be passed or um, legislation, you know, that was the, the feedback I would hear. Like some people thought it was biased or racist and you know, it took me a second to have to step back. And I was like, okay, so these people are equating law and law enforcement to whiteness. Um, I think that was the biggest, you know, pushback I had seen uh, right. regarding this work. And I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. How, you know, it, how can this, you know, want to find people and seek justice and offer families ways to heal how could that have a bias and um, any right. any form of racism attached to it? Um, but I think that is the biggest thing, and that it, I, to me myself, like I think it's kind of calmed down a bit. I mean, it's still there; it's always going going to be there um, right. because we we often talk about um, history and colonization, and people either just they're like, no way. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, we have you know a new, uh, you know, CNN anchor talking about, you know, nothing was here, you know, like when this country was formed, you know, and that's the fights that we deal with on top of, of 
actually yeah. losing losing our relatives, you know? Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy because what it seems like mainly is that they'll equate it to that. It is shocking that they would equate it to race, a race yeah. issue when it's just a lack of sort of like accountability, just like the mm -hmm. organizations and institutions that you count on to protect you aren't doing it. They take it as a race thing because it's the quickest yeah. thing to create a new fight to to project onto and to deflect from the real matter at hand, the things that should be handled. It's yeah, really sad I mean, that they I, can I kind of feel like that that happens. You know, I feel like when race gets pulled into it, I feel like that's a way to dismiss the fight that you're you're trying to uplift. And I think, you know, in the cases where that has happened, I feel like that's that's what was yeah. the core of that matter. I feel like at least I'm hoping it's become harder for that to be just the actual fight because now there's, you know, there's conversations to to put to push right back. At, yeah. It is like, no, 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 <laughs> nobody said this <laughs> and getting to, to the crooks of the matter. I, I'm glad these conversations are happening differently now. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, like now with social media and the pandemic having to stay home and things like that, I am seeing that more information is out there. Do you think that um, post pandemic or do you think that it's going to be more of a how do I say it, more of a change? Like, do you think it's gonna be more spread, you know, this, the MMIW or? Um, I kind of, in a way, cause I feel like, like I said, with the uptick in the work that has happened behind the scenes. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's the thing that gets um, overlooked often is that behind the scenes work. Um, cause not only is it, like um, your caseload, how many people are missing in your area, things like that. But when you're not directly working with a family in that matter, you are looking into ways of how to to spread awareness and who you can who who you can um, respectfully and rightfully, you know, like link up with as an ally in some way. Um, you know, like you know, like with with our group um, specifically, you know, we have. Um, uh, connections to to a university um, just outside of Dallas, and you know they fully embraced um, bringing us to campus and talking. And you know we, you know we're we're actually seen as experts on this matter. And you know in the in the the realm of academia, that's something you don't you don't have the option. You don't have the opportunity for that as as a as a person of color. You know dealing with this crisis, um, you know we had to we had to go with it and accept that that role. Um, and you know, here we are with opportunities to you know educate the educators on this, and hopefully have them, you know, take this into their classroom more in depth. And you know, we've been um, asked to do presentations and you know lecturing classes and things like that, and help with projects. And um, it's like that that kind of level of work is where I think it expands. You know, so it's like you know. Um, with some of the ladies that we work in coalition with, they've worked on getting bills passed in their states or starting organizations or doing different projects. So I feel like, um, you know, what, you know, post pandemic, hopefully, you know, when that happens, it, it, it does, there is a boom in the awareness raising and it does go even, even farther. Yeah, this is why I, 
I've been like I said, I've been following the MMI for a while, like about three years now, two years, give and take. And you know, the more we spread, the the more people obviously could get informed. I tell everybody I can, you know, because this is important. You know, you can't just be like it's one day and then just look over it and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, whatever. It doesn't it, it doesn't impact me, you know. So that's why I brought it up to Vanessa and I'm like, you know, this month is the awareness, you know, can we, you know, see what we could do an episode on it. And, and I'm happy it worked out and I'm glad that, you know, you're here and, um, you know, sharing your knowledge with us and actually, you know, telling us in depth more about it. And I appreciate you for that. So thank you. And thank you so much for the work that you do. How can we and our listeners, our viewers, lend themselves you mentioned before about um how can you put your privilege to use put your status to use mm -hmm. so what are ways that people in different states because you're saying that there are different coalitions in every state mm -hmm. what should they be looking out for so that they can lend themselves to this work yeah so um you know we get asked that all the time you know if you're doing any kind of awareness raising that's what's going to happen like how can i help and what can i do and um so like, you know, we get, I get contacted from people all over, all over the country, um, you know, just, oh, I happen to see this post or a friend shared this and, you know, it led them to, to our, our page or something like that. And, um, you know, the first thing I tell them, you know, if I, once I find out, you know, where they're located, um, I tell them the first thing they need to do is to research and find, cause I, they're, they're in every state. There is an MMIW group, if not in every city, every state. Um, even if they're small and it's a program or something like, um, I feel like that's the biggest thing that a person can do. Um, native or non-native um, allies, that's the, the biggest thing you can do is find the closest um, organization to you and fund their work in some kind of way. If not supporting, you know, on the ground efforts or even if it's helping them write write a proclamation, write a bill, you know, these things are, are time consuming. And if, you know, if it's a, if, if it's a location where they deal with a lot of cases, you don't have the time to do the awareness raising you would like to do, or the advocacy you would like to do. Um, finding, finding those places and, and directly funding flyers and fund, funding any kind of healing work that they do are, it goes a very long way. Um, but also, I mean, working with these groups and and identifying their needs you know you have to do this stuff in a respectful way and maybe they they don't want somebody they don't know within their their core circle or their core group that does this work but they need help writing a proclamation writing a bill um finding those links to city council or the law enforcement the local police departments things like that those things can go a very long way any links to um uh, media, local news stations, um, those links are incredibly important when when there is a case and people in groups um, struggle with figuring out what's the best way to do this. Um, you know, you can always do the news desk, but if you have an in in a news department, that changes everything for a case. Um, so it's like those things and, you know, and, you know, it is sad to say, but, you know, if you, your privilege can open doors that maybe get shit on us more often than not for yourself, you know? So it's like, yeah, we do ask you to, to, um, you know, kind of learn about your place in, in this work and, um, 
help us uplift that that relationship, that connection. You know, it's all about mutual respect and um, respecting protocol and things as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, do you have actual any links uh, off of the top of your head that we can actually put on the chat so we could like send it to them or anything that you could share? Um, yeah, I mean, with our, you know, our page, like, like I said, we just launched our new page, um, MMIW Texas Rematriate. We're on Facebook right now and um, hope to be on Instagram and Twitter in the next, uh, within the next month, um, all platforms and um, to really just get all of our work out there. But um, I mean, there are tons. I mean, I can, I can, <laughs> I can send those, to, uh, send those as well. And I always forget to do that. Like when I, when I do any kind of interviews and work I just like it's like those things just kind of no yeah I, I know exactly. them and I can I can contact these people and it just like slips my mind all the time you know I found a ton of um links and stuff so I'm also going to share all the findings that I have and I will share your um, Facebook page so everybody could you know whoever's interested of course because you can't you know force anybody but whoever's interested you know will put their um your link so they could click on it and go to facebook so i appreciate you so much thank you for joining us and opening you know everybody's eyes on this and you know just talking about it yeah so. thank you for having me and thank you for um utilizing your platform as well to to reach people that i would not have been able to have that conversation with. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you for the work you do, really. And thank I'm you. glad to learn more about it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. It was a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but um her link is M M I W T X R E M A T R I A T E. It's on the comments below if you're seeing it. Um, it's on Facebook, and as you mentioned, she'll get her um, Instagram uh, page going on. Um, yeah, she's been doing this for like what eight years now, nine years, eight years, like she said, and it's it's a while, you know. And and it's it, just because it's been going on for so long does not necessarily mean again. Like Vanessa just found out about it barely like what last year. Yeah. Um, just let, and trust me not everybody knows everything i'm pretty sure there's a bunch of other things that we don't know about that's going on and we're like whoa you know when we find out about well, it well when we found out you know we're gonna let you know <laughs> yeah for sure that's what vanessa was saying before the interview but now the murders were happening you know um i think what broke the like the last straw was what's his name when he was jogging and the two white guys just like you know shot him when he was walking i forgot yeah. his name i apologize and it was on the on this month too when the mmiw came into like more visible to me because now there was a hashtag happening or whatever and you know visuals and things like that and i did call vanessa crying my eyes out like i'm an empath so everybody knows that you know i feel very deeply and it was just very upsetting that it, that you could just kill somebody and just okay goodbye you know get, get, go on with your life like you just didn't murder you know a human being like someone's life you just took and it's it's okay by you and you know it was upsetting you know obviously it wasn't to, to be taken lightly regardless but you know the fact that it's happening right now we speak somebody's getting murdered I don't know how people can live with themselves just in their own bubble, but you know, to each their own, right?
I was looking later on, we're going to have some like two statistics that I'm going to read, but I, I'm reading this one particular article that we can also share with y'all later. And what it mentions is that there's no way to gauge. And you brought this up in the interview as well. So it's like, yes, to each his own, but at what point do you stop existing outside? you know do you start existing outside of your own bubble because eventually your bubble is going to get popped right you know you know what i'm saying we are all connected in one way or another and nothing is so far outside of ourselves that we shouldn't be able uh, to to connect or sympathize with with those losses and it's easy to feel maybe um deflated or like you can't do anything and even the most minimal thing, you know, just reading about it and, and and not ignoring when a new statistic or a new story comes out about it is enough to know that, you know, it is being acknowledged because these databases is what I'm reading. It's like thousands and thousands of women that go missing and violence against women is nothing new in general, right? The fact is that the majority, like the highest number is of indigenous women. And this is why it's such an issue, right? The leading cause of death, death is not an illness, it is murder. And, and we are, right, what's considered a first, you know, for, you know, we say all the time, first world problems, but even in first world, our, um, what is it, our, our, our the living, the age of living, right, is based off of like children and whatnot, is not that high. So then if you're already considering that we don't live that long to begin with, even though we have all these medicinal, uh, you know, progress and whatnot, now you take into consideration the fact that um, people of color and indigenous people are, are being targeted through history and we're in 2021 and we're still, the numbers are still up there in terms of missing and murdered uh, women. It's like, no, there's no bubble anymore. There's no fucking bubble. <laughs> but I feel like- this is, this is me, like I'm trying to like not get angry. I'm not angry, I'm not gonna be angry. Because it's sad and it's, it does, it makes you angry. And, and I would love to be, and I, and we're trying to be as understanding, like Chubi and I try every episode to be as understanding as possible that everybody has their own way of approaching things. And I still respect that. But where do you draw the line and not even acknowledging? You do not have to drown yourself in and sad, horrible news 24-7. I agree with that. But to be ignorant, to choose ignorance in this day and age is to choose complacency and to choose and to be complicit. Right. Whether you're doing something or not. I'm not saying throw money at it. I'm not saying get involved if, if it's not something that you can do. But reading an article, acknowledging it, sharing the, sharing, hey, I found this article, whatever, put anything is a way of knowing that you acknowledge that you gave it the, the, the time it deserved because it was a life loss. It was a life 
you know, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I've been lately less tolerant of those kinds of things because it's just so much of it going on and there's no need anymore. Yeah, I mean, obviously we are as, as understanding as we can be, but again, I feel like if you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. And if you feel attacked in any way, if you feel like it's a personal attack, if you're watching this, then... Question why that is. Question why you feel why? that way. And again, right, like Vanessa said, you don't have to drown yourself in this 24-7. We're not asking that. But acknowledge the fact that there's a problem and you can't be the solution. You can't help in, in the smallest way, like sharing information. You're always on social media sharing the stupidest dumb thing. Why don't you? And, and, I, and that's fine. Why? Because that brings you at that moment the peace and disconnection. I understand that. But take that one second also to share something of value that could help somebody you know, uh, that you don't even know, nah, but you could change someone's life by uh, uh, some form of information, you know. I mean, I, do, I just feel like there's also, that's such a weird phrase to use, so I don't want to use, I was going to say pecking order, but that's not what it is. But it's also like an acknowledgement of, I'm a big believer that yes, you can't like live in the past and all that, but there's certain things of our past that we need to acknowledge in order in order to enact change. And also out of respect for what has been, that has in the past been ignored, right? And so if you go in deeper to this, and like I said, you do not need to be a person of color or indigenous, and, and Jody said it as well, in order to be able to connect to this to this movement. You know, you don't. But at the same time, if you go deeper into it and, and out of respect of, you know, the land that we are able to live in. Okay, I'm just going, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit general about this. The land that we're able to live in that was not like, hey, can we stay here with you guys? That's not how it went down. Right. <laughs> right? So to see that still we we allow so much taking to continue without lending a hand, without using that privilege that living on this land has granted us to give back. Um, I feel I feel also needs a little bit of reflection on on many of our parts. Right, like. Again, it's okay to live your own life. It's okay to live that little bubble you're in. But at the same time, like that um, poem you were talking about, that phrase, you know, at the end of the day, when it's your turn, who's going to be there? Because it, it applies to everyone at some point. Look what we talked about in that interview just now where Jody. Uh, what, I said, what kind of pushback, right? And, and and surprisingly, it became about race. For something that is so easy to pull away race and just see that it is a human problem, right? There is a human body, person, missing or murdered, and nobody knows where they have gone or what's happened, right? So that it becomes about race, I said, you know, it's it's pointing out that nobody wants to talk about the problem they want to 
get reactive versus proactive, right? Instead of fixing the situation, let's create another one. It's not about this, it's about this. So you deflect from the situation that is really dire and really serious, you know, murdered and missing people, women to be specific, to then discuss this thing about race. No tiene nada que ver, it has nothing to do. But it's always easier to deflect and talk about the less, you know, the, the, the ongoing thing that nobody really wants to address than to put resources and thought into yeah, the actual matter. Left in the room. And I'm like, you were saying, like that phrase is like, you're gonna, the same thing is gonna happen until we learn our lesson. We haven't learned our lesson because even after so long, the same problems are still happening, but nobody wants to talk about it. The elephant in the room, nobody wants to talk about it. So it's gonna keep happening because there are no things being done to actually help the problem to have a solution so it's not repeated in the future. Yeah. So yes, our past, we don't need we don't need to be stuck there, but it has taught us what our problems are today yeah. and what we are still like not like seeing. And this is why it's we're still here talking about it. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people that say, Oh, why do we still talk about this? It happened X this many moons ago. But the fact is, every person here, Chuby and I are talking about this with you all. Jody gave us her experience and her um, approach to these situations, right? Everybody's going to talk about it different. You, we need to hear these different experiences, these different ways of communicating this information because we all receive information differently right? Speaking in the language of the listener. Today may not be the moment that you learn or that this weighs heavy on you, but the seed was planted. And when you hear it in a way that resonates with you or that helps you realize, hey, I can do something about this in this way, or I know somebody who can do something about this and pass along that information, then 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 that's when it happens. It doesn't have to happen right now. But I don't think that a story is ever told too many times. And history only repeats itself because we assume that we need to hear a story, uh, uh, an experience a particular way and invalidate it if it is ever so slightly different from what we need it to be. Social and communal norms are changing every day. And that shouldn't be something to fear right? There are some things that we definitely should fear. <laughs> but for the most part, when it comes to being more receptive to being able to hold space for things that have typically been outside of us, like situations like this, I think embracing those changes and learning how to be better listeners and better communicators um, to raise awareness or to lend a hand is massively important. And I'm very glad that you brought like this topic to the table, Chuby. You know me. I I would I would talk about everything and all and we'll pick which one we like. Yeah. So with that being said, uh last year I wrote a poem. Well at first it, it was me being pissed off and 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 angry at the fact that what else can I do? What else can Chuby do to bring awareness? 
as you all know, I'm an activist, I'm an advocate, I've always been, you know, but it, it gets to it gets to the point where I say, fuck it, you know? Like what the hell? There has to be more. But anyway, it turned into a poem after many, many pages of scrabbling here and there, you know. And I, I, you know, Vanessa was the first one and only one, well, the second person to hear it in history. So now, <laughs> now, um, yeah, now you guys will be, whoever's watching, whoever's listening, whoever will be listening to this are now going to hear it. So don't look at me like that. I'm over here like I'm going to wait. Superstar moment. There you go. No. <laughs> here we go. They told me not to be paranoid as I talked to my fellow classmates about all the missing women and girls. But I told them we could be one of those dead girls you hear about in the news. I'm everything but white. Me missing is no one's concern. I'll just be a part of the statistics. The media tells us not to worry. But they are only addressing this to other white women, the ones that will be found if anything happens to them, a scavenger hunt on behalf of their name. But not to us, the, the women of color, the ones that our ancestors got raped and murdered. Not us, the woman whose land has been colonized. Not us, the woman whose life has been stolen, murdered, and missing, and not even found. No killer to prosecute, no victory. It is rich to have a daughter, they say. And yet, after months of protesting for our rights and marching for our lives, our women and girls are still being missing and murdered. We do not deserve to live in fear. What if I sat pretty and died quietly? Will I then be celebrated or just forgotten as the new gets old? Will I then have a name? Will I then have a face? Or will I just be another dead girl? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, you can hear that you were pissed. <laughs> I mean, it. but how can you, I, I feel like there's so many levels to what one goes through as when, when you are doing this kind of work. And I know that you're very invested in working with uh, and, and supporting uh, human trafficking um, awareness and, and the work being done to, to prevent that. And MMIW so and it goes hand in hand believe it or not like Jody mentioned the the human trafficking is I mean the missing and murdered women is also in human traffic you know they are being human traffic as well so that could be one of the obviously yeah. potential um ways that they are being you know murdered you know and missing and just God knows where the hell they got taken to yeah and the and the fact is you know a, there's so much of it that we can dissociate from it being a racial thing. But in the end of it, it's also the facts of, you know, what history has shown us about what happens to people of color and indigenous women. Now, I am white presenting and I, but I am a Latina, so I've had my own experience differently. You know what I mean? So I, I listen to these things of those who are subject to discrimination or or less or less guidance or assistance or opportunity because of race right. and the experience you can't invalidate it and you can't you can't not acknowledge that it is different 
It has been different. Um, they have not been awarded the same the same care um, in many instances. Um, so to to ignore that and to act like it is very it's very difficult to witness still happening this day and age. And I think that you touching on that in in the in the poem is very true. And the fact that you say it could be one of us. You know, there's all this girl power talk and yes, queen, but we're very quick to forget that we, you know, that we are one in that sense and that it could be one of us, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, and like Jody said, it's not, it's not solely women. It it, it affects the trans community and, and, and you know, two-spirit. So it's like, why why do we exclude ourselves right right it's not so far so far away from something that could occur it's not and it's like what gets me the most annoyed or angry you could say is how easily somebody can dismiss this because it has nothing to do with them yeah but um i'm gonna do the the I'm only going to read one just because we'll be posting a couple of these statistics because they're easier to see uh, and it'll be put up on the video. Um, I'm going to read this. So like I said, the statistic, the, the biggest statistic that we have known is from 2016. Crazy pants, crazy pants. 5,712 the number of known incidents of missing and murdered Native American and Alaska Native women of 2016. 2016. Only of those, remember the number is 5,000. Of those, only 116 cases were logged into the Department of Justice database. That's insane. 5,000 plus. That's nearly 6,000. And this is back five years ago. Only 116 were logged cases. And I'm really glad that Jody touched on in the interview the fact that jurisdiction plays so much into it. And that is, it's a very difficult thing because, you know, it is so difficult because the reservations have the have their own laws and their own things. And then you have the jurisdiction of, of the state itself. And... But I feel like when it comes to these kinds of situations, if people are, are reaching out for help or there is a need for help, it should be available. But then again, jurisdiction and, right. the, and, and the rules and the laws and the culture all come into play. 67%, that is the number of cases between 2005 and 2009 that U.S. attorneys declined to prosecute of native community matters involving sexual abuse. When it's I, more than when half I, the cases. When I read that, I was like, are you serious? Meaning that they won't go through with it because it deals with sexual abuse. So the perpetrator is like running loose somewhere. Yeah. 96% on some reservations, the no, this is the number of sexual violence against native women committed by non-natives. Right. So I heard it said, and I will not say who, 
but I it it came to my ears that so many of these things happen within the reserve amongst their own people. Um, this is a fact of any community; it can happen. But to say that these numbers occur only within, you know, Native American communities, Indigenous communities, is absurd, and it is offensive, and it is ignorant. Because so many of the cases occur with non-natives. So take take those little numbers. Take those little numbers. Because the person that said that, I hope they're watching. <laughs> or we'll be watching, whichever. Or we'll be watching. Um, and the other ones we'll be posting as a series that you can slide through, but these are important bits of information. And since oh, the awareness is coming up, we'll post the awareness challenge, things that you can do to raise awareness. Um, wear red, post a social uh, on social media. And like Jody said, that's not the only thing, but it's, it's a good start. Right. Uh, attend a community event to learn more. There is a chapter, a coalition, a group, in almost what she say, if not every city, every state. Yeah. Host a viewing of honoring missing murder indigenous women webinar and create honest dialogue. Ooh, shouldn't equal 100. What is being done? See, yeah, exactly, Dulange. The outrage is that real. Post a candlelight vigil on May 5th to honor the missing, the murdered missing and indigenous women. Find and share news articles from the area. See, I wasn't so far off. It's just a matter of sharing. You read something. It resonates with you because it's sad. Just sharing it is enough. Um, this, this is horrific. This is horrific. These are facts. Some extra facts. 34% of Native American and Alaskan Native women will be raped in their last lifetime. Four in ten... Uh, are subject to violence by an in, intimate partner in their lifetime. Three out of five American Indian and Alaskan Native women have been assaulted in their lifetime. U.S. attorneys decline, and this is, okay, We were, I read this one before, but it was 67% sexual cases, right? Nearly 52% of violent crimes that occur. Okay, so violent crimes in general and sexual, like they'll just turn it down. Que fuerte, que fuerte. Right, and I guess it's because like Jody said, it falls under the crack of the jurisdiction where they know it's happening, but they don't know who's gonna be able to like deal with the case. Understandable, but okay, can you find somebody? Can you, can you actually do the work to find somebody who could actually help with this? You know, instead of just letting it be and just, okay, you know, out of out of sight, out of mind. Yep. So, guys, we just encourage you to read, share, like what Vanessa, you know, the points that you could actually do to help. Um, I mean, if you care, right? If you have an ounce of empathy for something other than yourself, we uh, encourage you to. And that was. That was... <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, but it is a no filters, no fears, and people who know me personally, hey, yeah. you know, but we are coming from a place of love and concern and caring. We are, you know, how it's being said, that's a different story, but yeah. <laughs> we do want you guys to think more of, of the world. Like if we were to help each other, you know, we could go, we could get really far, you know, into having a safer place you know and and education is obviously one of the main um things that i feel like obviously could help you know and we already know that in our schools us our children are not learning these oh, things no. these things are yeah. not in books so it's up to us to share this extra exactly. information that, that's the type of and make it common problem. knowledge so that it doesn't repeat the cycle right. breaks at some point so by education, I mean just us going out and looking for all this information, you know. You have a platform. You have a social media. Use it for something greater than yourself, you know. And no, we're not telling you all to go be activists and advocates and, you know. But one little share of something can go a long way. And whoever stayed through the entire show, thank you for watching. For those who um, participated, thank you for watching. To whoever got to hear the poem, it will be posted again on Wednesday. But um, thank you. Thanks for watching. Stay fearless.